Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for our own uh, console or uh, representative, uh, super producer, Max Two Computers, Williams. Man, what? what? Yeah, I'm, I'm Ben. Uh, you're Noel. Uh, Noel, that's a that's a new nickname for us, uh, for Max, isn't it? What, Two Computers or mm-hmm. Man of the People? Oh, um, it could be a compound nickname. Uh, either way, they're 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 new. Um, but we've always known Max has had an affinity for operating two computers simultaneously, and also that he is a, a magnanimous dictator in his mm-hmm. own right. Mm-hmm. And today we are talking about another particular, incredibly unique community. Uh, ridiculous historians, you know, if you think about it. You and us, uh, we're all together, kind of a, a little nation of our own out micro. there in the in the world of podcasts. Yes, we are returning to micro nations, and we're we've been going for some of the deep cuts recently. Monaco, most people know, but a lot of people didn't know about Andorra, and uh, I think San Marino is a name many of us have heard before, but we might not know much about it, right? Is that reasonable? Yeah, not to be confused with Dan Marino, uh, famous for his role in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Uh, And I think he also played a sport. Allegedly. And he never won a Super Bowl. Allegedly. Oof, that's just the the kind of knife twist that you're known for, Max. Mm. That was brutal. It's me and both these computers. Yeah, you've got one computer for the positive comments and one for the negative. That's why you're a beast on Twitter, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we found something really interesting as we were preparing for the research here. Uh, San Marino is a real country. It is recognized by the United Nations. It is, as Noel said, a micronation. I mean, it's very, very small. Uh, its population is much smaller than many U.S. states. It was also founded entirely, sort of, due to a case of mistaken identity. So that's like our teaser at the top. But before we do any of that, where is San Marino? No, like if we were Carmen San Diegoing this, could we point to it on a map? Yeah, it's sort of uh, where the top of the boot meets the thigh of Italy. Yeah, perfect. It's right, right, upper yeah. leg, uh, upper <laughs> upper boot region of Italy. And yeah, it, it is in Italy, but. It's also like not in Italy. <laughs> and that's part of why this story is interesting, because for whatever reason, the, uh, the old Holy Roman Empire um, seemed to give this little 
area a pass and then allow it to kind of go on uh, existing as its own, um, you know, territory, as its own nation, uh, which is really unusual because, as, as we know, the the, the Romans uh, were pretty famous for conquering and for just taking stuff, sacking, you know, cities and whatnot. And somehow this area, uh, it kind of flew under the radar for quite some time. Uh, and it's pretty interesting. So it was actually founded between 301 and 350 CE by a Christian, which adds to the tension there, right? A stonemason by the name of Marinus the Dalmatian. A human. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not not, not the, the, the cute cartoon dog with the celebrity voice. Um, he, uh, the Dalmatian in this sense, refers to people that are part of uh, what is today referred to as... Croatia and Montenegro. Um, there are today Dalmatian Italians. Um, they, they do not have spots, however. So Marinus uh, comes from an island named Rab. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's right, Rab? Or is it Rob? Yeah, no, do my dumb joke. It's pronounced the way people in California say Rob. Yeah, I don't think I don't, we have they have Rab. That, yeah, that yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, 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 got it. Making sure we're on the same page. Um, so that's yeah. And now he comes from the hails from the island of Rab. Um, and uh, this island was in his original day referred to as Arby, uh, like the like the hat uh, restaurant um, or Arba. Um, he had a relatively serene, uh, idyllic. Not particularly happening life there, you know, what with being a Christian and all, uh, though he did still technically have the potential for harassment. Yeah, so picture this guy um, as kind of working class. Uh, he, he doesn't have a silver spoon, and his religious beliefs make him a target for the Roman Empire. This is where we get to something called the Diocletian Persecution. As we know, the Roman Empire, in addition to their love of imperialism, they had a love of stamping out other people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. And this persecution was actually the last and the most severe persecution of people who didn't vibe with the Roman pantheon. So he hightailed it because this thing, it didn't target specifically Christians, common misconception. It targeted anyone who was miscellaneous or was considered other in the, in the grand scheme of Roman ideology. So starting in 303 Common Era, a series of multiple emperors issued these laws that took away various legal rights of Christians. And the big thing was they said, everybody who lives here has to make sacrifices to our gods, the pantheon of, of Roman gods. And so if you, as a resident of the Roman Empire, don't play along, you know, you don't kill the goats or whatever when you're supposed to, then you can be imprisoned or even executed. Marinus doesn't vibe with this. Yeah, and just you know, it's it's obviously called the the a persecution and not like a genocide. So it wasn't mass murdering of these people. It was just making life very very inconvenient for them. And in some extreme cases, you know, there there could be executions. Usually, that would require people to push back pretty significantly, you know, or have repeat offenses. But that, I don't know why I sound like I'm being an apologist for the Roman Empire. So, well, you know, at least they weren't murdering everybody you, on you map. situations. It's it's tough to herd the cats. <laughs> I just love the idea of, because if you look at the way stories describe it, there are other uh, persecutions. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah, like this is a thing that happened throughout history, and I'd never really thought about that before. Um, so, yeah, he takes off uh, to escape the Diocletian persecution, and he goes to a place called Rimini, kind of like the actress, the Scientology uh, actor, uh, Leah Remini, Remini. I think it's spelled exactly the same way, actually, and starts a new life. Uh, things are going relatively well. So as we know, he's a man of faith. He becomes a deacon in his church and starts to develop a bit of a reputation, becomes quite popular for his, uh, his uh, religious pontificating. Or preaching, if you prefer. Uh, and so, but this doesn't exactly the kind of, you know, if you're out in the streets, you know, giving sermons, it's not the best way to fly under the radar exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we all know performance uh, doesn't always go as planned, especially if you're in a live venue. And he is a, he is a local celebrity, as you said, street preacher. And in our boy Marinus's case, things go very, very off the rails. There is a 
character, an eccentric person who keeps coming around. Imagine this as the worst heckler slash stalker ever. She (laughs) is apparently, before he even got into town, she was known for being, let's say it, she was known for being insane. That's how people considered her. And so she would show up to his sermons, I don't want to call them performances, she would show up to his sermons and interrupt to claim loudly and repeatedly that Marinus is in fact lying about who he is. She's saying, you are my estranged husband. I know you, Donald, or whatever. Mm, <laughs> and uh, okay. and she would not hear otherwise. Yeah, none of this is true, just to be clear. Like, this is, is the, 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 the ravings of, a, of an unwell person. Um, right. She has chosen to target this individual, trying to go for clean living, preaching the word in the streets, uh, uh, escaping, you know, persecution from the Roman Empire. And she is just jamming up his spot. Yeah, the whole thing. She's messing up the show. And so it's tough. It reminds me, this is so weird, man. It reminds me of, uh, I I think you and I talked about this off air because we do hang out as friends. Uh, One time I was at Dragon Con for work. We're uh, filming some stuff and it was at the end of the night where everybody's partying. I walked outside just to get some air. Mm. And this guy came up to me. He's like, oh, hey, Neil, what's up? And I said, I'm sorry, man, I'm not Neil. And then beat me here, Max. He looked me up and down and he said, fuck you, Neil. (laughs) And then walked (laughs) off. And I was like, what can you do? This is like kind of what Marinus is going through centuries earlier. And so he gets a lot of unwelcome attention. The town is starting to say, I don't know, maybe he's just running a grift. And so, poor guy, yeah, right? He can't prove he is not this deadbeat husband. The story goes, so he leaves town again, again. And it's not like he was in witness protection and was changing his name. He just, <laughs> right. you know, it wasn't the Holy, Holy Roman Empire certainly had spies and stuff, but this guy wasn't exactly at the top of their list of folks no. to track down at this point, right? So right. he he, he could have gone on just. Fine, you know, if it hadn't have been for this uh, very unpleasant sounding woman. Um, so he does have to move again. And he uh, he kind of becomes a, something of a hermit. Uh, he, he literally finds himself a cave to live in. Uh, he becomes a cave dwelling kind of monk. He creates mm-hmm. a chapel. He builds a chapel. Uh, I, I assume outside of the, of the cave. The cave is just for sleeping and nighttime behavior, uh, which is a thing. It's a whole, you know, genre of behavior. Um, and he, he, he establishes a monastery mm-hmm. in does. this mega rural area that is like a bit difficult to, uh, to reach. Yeah, it's one of those why would you go there places. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. 
Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. At the time, it's a very remote place, as you described, called Mount Titano or Mount Titan. It's the highest of San Marino's have seven hills. And Because it is so in the middle of nowhere, the local secular powers don't really clock it. They don't care. They don't know what's going on. Other other people are feeling his vibe. You know, let's get out of the the day to day rat race of our time and let's let's focus on living Christian lives. So people start traveling there and living in the in the area of the monastery and the chapel. Marinus is not a saint yet because he's still alive, uh, and he's sort of a, a benevolent leader. But these folks are, for all intents and purposes, they're a commune. And eventually, because they're a commune where nothing goes wrong, his reputation for being a solid dude mm-hmm. reaches the ears of the people who legally, technically, officially own the land. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, we weren't really doing anything worth it anyway. This guy <laughs> seems to be putting forth good work. People seem to dig his vibe. I like the cut of his jib. I like this whole little uh, planned community that he's got going on there. Um, so why don't we just, uh, let's just go ahead and bequeath this land uh, to this community, you know, one person's monastery is another person's cult. This one, I'm just putting it out there. It's this true. One, this it's one has, true. A, I don't know, just it has. A, I look, it's, it's no, no digs on people of faith, but it's just you know, this is like people that are kind of living rough in the mountains, you know, kind of, it feels like a planned community kind of thing, you know? It's it's a matter of perspective, you know, and I, I think you're absolutely on the money there. It's not it's not offensive to say so. This, this landowner, Felicima, is from Ramini, so she probably remembers some of his street preaching, and she decides to do a mitzvah, although she almost certainly did not call it that, right? And, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> that would have been a real so, bad look. Right, so, uh, so these people, this community, they're essentially mountaineers, uh, she gives them the land, and she says, you own this, and you should always stay united in your mission, and they take that to heart. Fast forward, Marinus dies. Fast forward again, he is canonized by the Catholic Church. And so, in his honor, they name this land the Land of San Marino, or St. Marinus. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, what was at, at, at first a very small kind of community uh, begins to blossom. And by the mid fifth century, um, you have the beginnings of a, of a little town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is this is how we know that the broad strokes of the story are true. Now, granted, we told you the most ridiculous one about the mistaken identity driving the guy out, but we know the high points because there's a monk named Eugipio who says, hey, there are solid reports that there's a holy dude, a hermit or a monk living on this mountain, like you said, uh, as early as 511 CE, and because it's poor, there aren't any great resources, it's tough to get to, it succeeds, and it stays independent despite many centuries of chaos. And then we see later reports from the ninth century that say, well, now that community has thrived for centuries, and it's currently ruled by a bishop of some sort. And you can go back and forth and see more and more uh, mentions in the historical record about San Marino as it becomes not just independent, but increasingly well-organized. I think by, what is it, 755, it gets mentioned in one book, and they talk about how they, they now have a ruling structure of consuls. Uh, so they never had a king, really. This this is why they have a claim to being one of the oldest republics. 
Right. And a, a bishop is just sort of a high-ranking member of the Christian clergy. There are also, obviously, Catholic bishops, but this would have been a bishop uh, in the Christian church. Yeah, this would have been, uh, at this point, yeah. Also, it's a little more loosey-goosey, right, because of global communication and how it didn't exist. Yeah, none of that. Also, part of the reason that this whole community was able to fly under the radar for so long. I mean, it wasn't like uh, word of this was spreading by anything other than, you know, just (laughs) people telling stories. Right, right, exactly. And so because the commune was religiously motivated because they weren't making trouble and they did not possess riches, they scooted under the radar for quite some time. They're also known for a series of mountain fortresses because they did want to defend themselves if something if something untoward happened. They also got protection from local nobles, I think. That's right. And you, you mentioned uh, San Marino setting up his kind of cave dwelling situation uh, on one of several peaks, I guess. So, I mean, this this did have sort of a strategic fortress-like quality to it, this whole area, which is going to come into play eventually. A hundred percent, yeah. And the protection that they get from their geography and from the, the hills and the fortresses they build, it is further exacerbated by the protection they receive from these these various powerful families in Italy. Maybe we talk a little bit about their government. They never had a king. They did have a self-governed assembly. This was called the Erengo, I want to say. Erengo? A-R-E-N-G-O. I think that sounds as good as Good a guess as any. (laughs) Better than Uh, what I would have guessed. So this is essentially just sort of like a a council, right? This is Mm. like, yeah, so it's a a body of governance, but it's not ruled by a single individual. No, it's the heads of each family, because again, it's still a a really small population. And in 1243, they established these positions, these roles, captains, regents. They're the joint heads of state, and their earliest laws in this form date back to 1263. Uh, And then fast forward a few decades, and the Pope agrees. The Holy See confirms the independence of San Marino in 1291. Got to get something on the table here. I've always been confused as to why it's called the Holy See, S-E-E. Mm-hmm. Maybe everyone out there that's known this for years is is laughing at me right now. But what no, is what no. is a C? It's the like, yeah the I the etymology. We should learn that now. The um, I I know that the Holy See is the phrase for the universal government of the Catholic Church. Okay, I think it it sounds to me like the etymology is descended from the word seat. So it's like that's their seat of government, you know. Um, oh, that makes I, sense. I, I mean, that's yeah. just what I'm seeing with a with a cursory Google. But I've just always found it funny because when you hear it, of course, in my mind, I picture some sort of mystical ocean. You right? Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which would be way cooler, honestly. Agreed. Um. So, so wait. So you're telling me that at this point, the the Roman Empire is aware of this place after all this time flying under the radar, and they do nothing. They don't. They don't do anything, really. The The big power that these folks have to worry about is uh, Catholicism, is the Vatican. And so, because San Marino is not populated by a bunch of real, like, bloodthirsty expansionist people, because they're not sitting on vast reserves of minerals or whatever, uh, and they're also not at a strategically important location, it's kind of more trouble to get them in line than it is to ignore them. They just let them go on doing their thing and they confirm their independence in 1291. That's super cool. Good <laughs> on you, Holy See, I guess. Yeah, right. And they they said, look, we want to create the three towers of San Marino to prevent other nations from attacking us because not everybody is peaceful. They're still being realistic. And this was smart because... Various people did try to attack them. Various warlords 
essentially. Montefeltro, the Malatesta of Rimini, the Lords of Urbino, etc., they try to conquer this thing, which is basically a village. Uh, the land area here for a long time is just that one mountain, probably still with that weird cave. The highest peak where Marino initially took up residence. Mm -hmm. And in 1463, the Republic does lose its neutrality. They throw in their hat in an alliance against the Lord of Rimini at the time, and this name is epic, Sigismondo Pandolfo Malatesta. How do mm. we do? Very well. Couldn't what is he to myself. his friends? Is he Pando to his friends? Sigis? Sigis, maybe? Yeah. Pando's Mando, good. Pando? Pando's Pando good, yeah. yeah. I like, I like yes, yeah, Sigis Pando. And that's right. And he was later on, though, defeated. And then um, after that, because of this defeat, Pope Pius II bestows upon San Marino some castles uh, and some surrounding towns, Fiorentino, um, uh, Serravalla, and Montegiardino. Yeah. Which sounds delicious. Does sound good. Wait a minute. I'm a little confused. What, so, so they threw it. So San Marino throws in to an alliance against our boy Sigis Pando and as a reward for defeating this guy who was bad news, it would seem. The Pope bestowed upon San Marino some boons. Yeah, just so spoils a war. And then later, a town named Fatano joins San Marino of their own accord. They just decide they like the vibe and they want to be a part of it. And since that time, since like... The 1460s, the territory of San Marino has remained unchanged. It's now, uh, by, by this time, by what are we, middle of 15th century, it's ruled by a grand council. They're all dudes, because San Marino is not that progressive yet, and they are from this earlier assembly of families. And they cooperate, they play the game of geopolitics, and they make sure that they can ward off any serious attacks, any attempts to take over their land. And then a famous family uh, of conquerors you may have heard of, the Borgias, uh, which I think, uh, Max, we talked about, they're, are they in like... So Assassin's Creed 2, Daddy Borgia is the bad guy. In Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which is the direct sequel, it's uh, his son is the bad guy. So the Borgias are all over Assassin's Creed. And the Borgia are ridiculous in real life. Oh, yeah. It's just insane. They're just a little bit worse when you give them apples to eat in and stuff. Yes, yeah. Oh, good call. Nice nice callback. Staff to eat in. Uh-huh. So all yeah. that kind of stuff. Not everybody liked that uh, aspect of the Assassin's Creed mythos, but it was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, and I don't like every person out here in this world either. All right. Jeez, Max is on his his violent computer today, Noel. Tyrant. <laughs> He's tyrant, absolutely. So, at this point, San Marino has been occupied by outside militaries several times. But each time, they've kind of been vanquished, or it's just kind of, they've moved on to greener pastures, let's just say. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, no matter how peaceful you try to be, there will be power-hungry people around, right? And they want their problems to be yours. So, luckily, each time, San Marino has been able to successfully repel the invasion or get on the other side of it so that they are not permanently annexed or taken over. Uh, the, the three times you mentioned uh, when a foreign military came in, two were in the feudal era. Like we said, Caesar Borgia occupies the Republic in 1503, but only for a few months because then the old guy kicks the bucket. When Estio takes him out. When Estio takes him out. And uh, then you fast forward October 17th, 1739. There is a papal governor of Ravenna who decides to kind of go out of pocket against the Pope and uses a military force to occupy San Marino. He puts in a new constitution. Oh, we should say his name, Cardinal Giulio Alberoni. Uh, and he says, we're going to force these people to submit to the governance of the pontifical states. They protest. They actually do, like you know, like you would see a protest in the modern day. They're out there uh, 
shaking their fists. Yeah, at the sky. Maybe they got signs with clever puns. They're being civilly disobedient. And then people are sending notes to the Pope saying, come on, man, what's up with your boy? He's harsh in the whole vibe. I love his position title. It's a, it's a, a word for a papal governor, uh, a legate, which I also believe was a like Roman uh, official in the Roman military. Because I seem to recall, if you've ever played uh, Fallout in New Vegas, you know how there's the whole like kind of Roman contingents uh, that are all like dressed in sandals and, you know, uh, kind of Roman military. Garb, I believe one of the high-ranking uh, baddies in that group is referred to as a legate. I know in the Cardassian Empire, uh, the highest rank you could be is legate because it goes legate, then it is gold, like gold cod, and then it goes to Glyn. Glyn is the lowest rank, at least that they say out loud. A legate is a, yeah, in all of these examples work, a legate is an official rep that is sent to a foreign country. So in the world of the Holy See, there we go, uh, a legate is functioning as a governor of a foreign land, more or less. Yeah, the character in Fallout New Vegas was Legate Lanius, by the way. It's a good name. Uh, voiced by Mitch Lewis of video game voice acting fame. Um, so, okay, where are we now? Now we're Skyrim kind of, also has legates in the no imperial way. region. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, those are same. Those are those are both. Uh, what's that company that makes Bethesda? Games? Bethesda. Those are both Bethesda games. They love the good Legate at Bethesda. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one, and that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino, <laughs> and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so. Uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos, and the last one, God bless it, I just... I. I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. 
Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So we're going to fast forward in history a little bit to the late 1700s, around 1797, where San Marino becomes a bit of a chess piece in uh, the um, Napoleonic Wars. It's a conflict between France and the Papal States. But the interesting thing is that San Marino doesn't really kind of belong to either of them. Like, they're officially recognized uh, by Napoleon through the Treaty of Talentino, but they kind of, even though on paper, you know, they belong to Napoleon, on they 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 still kind of remain their own thing, right? Yeah. Am, I, am, I, am I reading well, that right? Yeah, in practice, they're still sovereign, and you nailed it saying that they get used as a chess piece, or people are trying to use them. Napoleon invades Italy, and he's looking for all the friends he can get, right? So he goes to San Marino and says, look, I very much respect your republic. You know, I will actually... If you throw down with me, then I will expand your territory. And this is where we get to a regent we want to shout out, Antonio Onofri. His family's a big, big deal in San Marino and has been for many years. Napoleon is camping nearby. He hits up the San Marino gang and he says, publicly support me. I'll make sure we get you more land. And Onofri says very politely, he says, look, our big thing is not coveting our neighbor's territory. We appreciate it. If you want to send us some wheat or some supplies, that's dope. But we're not about stepping on other people's toes that way. And then later he says his thinking was wars end, but neighbors remain. And I thought that was so cool because this move, this one move likely saved their independence. If they had thrown in with Napoleon, then when Napoleon, uh, when all his stuff went sideways, they would have had serious consequences. They may well have been annexed. So, I, I mean, we know things didn't end well for Napoleon. He got exiled, and then later he, later things were so rough that he had to start acting in Bill and Ted movies just to make ends meet. Oh, Ben. Oh, Ben. I love you so much. <laughs> was he in both of them? He was just in the one. He was just in the one. I think it was yeah. just in the one. I think he's a producer later. Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. What's the deal? Did he really have his hand in his uh, lapel all the time, or was that just like a myth? There are a couple paintings. He also wasn't that short. No, he was actually taller than Stalin was. Stalin was like five five, five six. And, yeah, uh, nobody accuses Stalin of being a, a, a small person. What's the deal? Stalin purposely kept very short people around him and they would have like photos of him doctored and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. He was always erasing people from photos and stuff too. Yeah, like Stalin, I think was like five, 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 six. Napoleon is like widely believed to be five, eight. Do you know who was also really short? We just talked about him. James Madison, five, four. Famously, one of, the, I, I think the shortest president. He's the shortest president. There's a couple of other the guys like Van Buren and uh, Harris, Benjamin Harrison, who were like five, six, who were, you know, kind of on the shortest side, but five, four. Well, it just goes to show that if you if you're not the supreme victor, you know, I mean, obviously Napoleon did quite well for himself, but then I think he was exiled in the end. They're going to name a complex after you that has nothing to do with your actual stature. Right, right. And, you know, we don't know how many people joked about Stalin's height because to your earlier point, he erased them from history. Exactly. Not just from photographs, from actual like reality. Tough time to be doing stand up. In Russia, we're so, going to get to some communist stuff in a minute too. Yeah, that's actually are. where the story takes a, a very turn. interesting turn. Yeah, so let's head to World War One. San Marino is neutral; they don't take part in the conflict. Really, they send twenty guys to help Italy on the Italian front, and after the war, twenty guys. Yeah, they sent twenty people. <laughs> their best, their best guys. It's like they got in a room and they said, uh, "What? Who's who's got?" some openings this weekend and 20 guys raise their hands, you yeah, know, we'll show up. Yeah. So this is the change that we were foreshadowing here after world war one, San Marino 
has a big political shift. They get super into fascism. Yeah, the Samaranese, uh, interesting word there, fascist party took over the government in the 1920s. And in the 1930s, things actually were going quite well. The local economy was thriving. Uh, they were building infrastructure, um, you know, and reinvesting in the community. There was a railway. Um, they were trying to increase local tourism and, and seeming to succeed. You know, remember, let's, 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 let's keep in mind that this place was pretty remote and hard to get to, much like Monaco. Remember how it wasn't until mm -hmm. uh, they built the railways that Monaco started being more of a, of a going concern with the uh, funneling and tourists to their casino? Similar yeah. Deal. Only Good comparison. More fascist, though. Way more very, fascist. very, very much fascist. And they, so they build this railway, and this helps with the local tourism industry. But you need, we also need to understand. I, I put it this way in a, in a series about Smedley Butler called Let's Start a Coup. Fascism at this time still had a new car smell. People were thinking, well, you know, let's try something else. Maybe a strong leader will get stuff done, cut past the red tape. History would prove that's incredibly incorrect and dangerous. Uh, they, they did something interesting, right? This is where they realized tourism can be a viable business, but they, like a lot of other people, don't know World War II is on the way. They stay neutral again in World War II until 1944. The British Royal Air Force screws up, and they accidentally bomb the country. Oopsie. I mean, it's a small place in the middle. You know, it's in Italy. It's like around a mountain in Italy. It's an honest mistake. <laughs> it's an honest mistake. <laughs> no one is perfect. They, they You drop two bombs, you nail the whole thing. So. Yeah, right, that's true. That's right. the, that is the inconvenient part of it, right? And then the German military says, we're going to occupy this. We're going to use it as a rest and relaxation place for our troops. And we're going to set up hospitals there because it's neutral territory, which in our mind means we could take over it. I love the idea of like a combination R&R &R and hospital situation, mm -hmm. you know? It's like when, when there aren't like patients in the beds, you just kind of use them for lounging, you know, and just watching TV. And it's all inside the cave. Right. It's all, it's still all in the cave. Wonderful. How could it not be? How could it not? I, I love it. I love the, the poetry and the symmetry of that. Uh, so Benito Mussolini, famously one of the only bad bends, does something surprising. He steps up for San Marino and he goes to his pals in the German government and he says, look, I know these guys. They're good guys. Just uh, let them stay neutral, okay? Do it for me. Do it for Benny. They're blessed, <laughs> aren't they? I mean, I mean, seriously, you got the Pope, a notorious pill, who mm. just takes, you know, I mean, especially historically. I mean, you know, the modern popes are, seem to have softened a little bit. But in those days, the head of the Holy Roman Empire, you know, for him to give you a pass as a Christian, unheard of. Now you've got this Mussolini fellow going to the Germans saying, hey, leave these guys alone. They're good boys. Uh, let them do their thing. Let them remain neutral. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand it. It seems like they just got some really good luck. Yeah. Well, I mean, to point out, isn't the land not really that valuable? Well, that's right. But that's still, based on, I guess that's a good point. I guess that's a good point. Money is the most important aspect of this, but so is ideology, you know? I mean, like, it's just sort of symbolically speaking. I just am not used to hearing about these iron-fisted leaders just giving a place a pass and just, you know, saying, you know what? Just just go on, go on your merry way, do your thing. And there's been a lot of battles fought for much more worthless land than this. Agreed. So was, I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying this is worthless land. I'm not trying to crap on you, San Marino. We're trying to become official members of your yes. I just country. think it's interesting is all. I think yeah. the fact that it keeps flying under the radar uh, for so long, actively, you know, uh, when it's like no longer under the radar, somehow it continues to get this, you know, pass. it's almost suspicious. It is at, a little bit <laughs> at yeah. one point. So they do, they do also have a reputation as being a safe Harbor. They host a lot of refugees from different parts of Italy. They host a lot of um, people on the run from political problems. That time in 1944 in September, specifically, they were briefly occupied by German forces, but the allies came in, defeated the Germans and what's known as the battle of San Marino. And then, they just uh, they just vibed ever since then, right? And the Germans weren't even, I, I would say they weren't proactively occupying. They were on the run 
through San Marino from the Allies, and the Allies chased them. And then after the Allies stamped out the Germans, they left. Uh, and so we got, we've got another thing, though, because San Marino has been very um, particular in its political beliefs. And when fascism didn't work out, Noel, I think they were the first country in the world that held democratic elections to become a communist country. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting. So we've, we spent a whole lot of time uh, talking about how docile and, and non-threatening San Marino is. And that relatively, that stays relatively true even in this case. But in 1957, there's something called the Roverta Affair, which is a crisis between San Marino's uh, parties, which are the Christian Democrats and the Communists. Uh, the Socialist Party actually withdraws from this government coalition um, after a revolt in Hungary, uh, the Hungarian Re Revolution of 1956. And it's during this time that, uh, you know, when there is a communist uh, regime in place, um, that the rest of Italy, which of course is not uh, communist, um, does see uh, San Marino as a threat all of a sudden, but not a threat militarily speaking, um, not a threat in terms of disrupting trade or whatever, a threat in terms of being able to spread communist propaganda just by their actual proximity to the rest of the country. So they are actually refused or forbidden to broadcast. Um, and this is something that, that stayed in place, I believe, until the 1980s. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, we can also see the perspective of people who are supporting a push for socialism or communism, because for centuries, this place was an oligarchy of very powerful families, right? So the folks got fed up, but also that's kind of a hard hammer to bring down uh, to say that you can't broadcast it all. It just sh it shows us how terrified people were during the Cold War. It was the only communist country west of the Iron Curtain. So That's right. Yeah, so it's a big concern, but they survived. You can go to San Marino today. It is the only Italian city-state that is around now. A lot like Monaco uh, and Andorra that we discussed before. I think we haven't gotten to Liechtenstein yet. Um, but it's interesting because it kind of, they, they like have their own language, yes. you know? I believe it is called Ram Ramagnol, uh, mm -hmm. or, or sorry, Romagnol, um, which is uh, a an old dialect of that region. You know, the the, uh, the Emilia Romagna region. Yeah, and uh, because I did put in a snarky aside about how their government was dudes only for a while, uh, we should say women gained the right to vote. They gained suffrage and the franchise in 1960. San Marino joined the Council of Europe in 1988. And uh, since the end of World War II, they have been increasingly progressive. You can see that tourism has become a growing source of income for the mm -hmm. country, as has wine, cheese, banking, and <coughs> finance. Cough, yeah. cough. Love it. Love, love all that banking um, that they've got going on there. Uh, they also um, have uh, some pretty incredible architecture. And the downtown area of uh, San Marino, um, it, it displays some really incredible medieval uh, historic architecture. So that actually was uh, declared a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Nice, nice. And they have a lot of cool festivals if you happen to be in town. Of course, spoiler, the Feast of San Marino is a big one for Marinus, the, the founder of the place. There is no official holiday for the crazy heckler who drove him out of Romini that we know of. Maybe that's more underground. Uh, San Marino has a population of uh, like 33,500-something people. So it's still <laughs> a very small place. It's so funny because considering its size, it definitely still does pretty significant tourism business. But as, as far as the whole of Europe is concerned, I think it was in 2017, it received the uh, dubious title of least visited country in Europe. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to let you guys know, I did some quick math during the episode. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how small Andorra is. And Monaco is actually a good bit smaller than this country, but... Andorra is like 7.67 times bigger than this country. Wow. Andorra is this little speck you can barely find on the map. It's just like, this thing is tiny. San Marino is a town. 
Uh, it's a country that is a town. It's an Italian city state all its own. We've got to give one shout out though. We're digging in. It is a true story, fellow ridiculous historians. Once upon a time, famous wrestler who also became U.S. president, Abraham Lincoln, wrote a letter to San Marino and said, quote, although your dominion is small, nevertheless, your state is one of the most honored throughout history. So he wrote them some fan mail and they said, you know what, buddy? You're a citizen. That's why we've been talking about trying to become citizens of San Marino. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, right? A San Marinese passport. I might have screwed us over in that one a couple times. Maybe I'll edit myself out of this episode. (laughs) No, no, no. And I think that's where we call it today. We hope you enjoy these journeys through micronations. Noel, Max, I hope you guys join me in this, my new weird thing. I'm done with hot air balloons. Now it's about trying to get citizenship in micronations. Yeah, I support that much more as as a co-afraid of heights person on this podcast. Hot air balloons suck. Okay, well, teach their own. You know what I mean? Teach their own. Uh, and if we will we will learn more about the hot air balloon industry in San Marino, perhaps in a, another episode. But for now, big, big thanks to super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Big, big thanks to research associate, Jeff Bartlett. Uh, Noel, who else? Big thanks to... Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Yeah. I was going to go Napoleon, and that makes no sense in this context. <laughs> it certainly doesn't. <laughs> Um, Chris Rossiot is here in spirit. Eve's Jeff Coates, you, Ben, uh, Max. We're, we're, we've got to be some kind of coalition or, or, or royal council of regents or legates yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. We should give ourselves titles. Let's do it. Let's do that next time. And we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.